It's a great honor to be with you guys. My name's Tony. I'm a pastor in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. It's my first 180 weekend. How many of you, it's your first 180 weekend? Excellent, excellent. I don't know um, where you come from. I don't know what you, what you anticipate, uh, but it's a great joy tonight to sing the gospel, to sing uh, the good news. Um, and uh, if it's your first time, if you're uh, uh, a, a really young person in the faith, or maybe you're not yet a Christian, uh, I would not have been here when I was your age. I didn't become a Christian until I was in college. I never dreamed I would be a pastor. Uh, and so if that's you tonight, if you just uh, are not even really engaged, uh, I just want you to be aware that the Lord uh, often surprises us with his grace. Uh, and um, uh, he may have something big in store for you. Um, our theme this weekend is belong. And believing in Jesus leads to belonging. It leads to belonging not just to him, but it leads to belonging to the church, that is, his people. And so all weekend long, that's what we're going to be talking about. What, what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to belong to Jesus? And what does it mean to belong to one another? What does it mean to belong to the church? And so the way I want to talk about it tonight is through uh, this doctrine, this idea that the New Testament talks about, uh, namely, adoption. What does it mean to be adopted by God and consequently as a result of being his child, what does it mean to have each other as your brother and sister? Because when you, when you get adopted into, this, into this, uh, this family, you get new brothers and sisters. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open them to Galatians chapter 4 or turn them on uh, and scroll over to uh, Galatians 4. Because I want to lay out for you really what is uh, a subject that's very passionate, or I'm very passionate about. Namely, this idea of being adopted. And, and one of the reasons I love to talk about it is because... I think if you can understand adoption, you can understand so much about the Christian life. If you understand adoption, you understand what it means to know God as Father, you'll understand what it means to belong to a church, His family, you'll understand what it means to do mission, to reflect His, his love to this broken world, you'll understand what it means to pray to our Father, you'll understand so much about the Christian life. You get worship, you get prayer, you get church, you get so many things if you can get this concept. And so I wanna lay out for you uh, tonight uh, several points so that you can, uh, if, you have, if you have place to write notes, you wanna write notes and, and talk later in your group, that would be great to do. Uh, so let me read the passage and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Galatians 4, that's in the New Testament. If you're not familiar, just don't be ashamed, go to the table of contents. Um, I didn't know any of the books of the Bible when I was your age, so you're cool, all right? Uh, I'll give you a moment to get there. Galatians 4, we're going to read verses 4 to 7, and then uh, we're going to jump in. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Thanks for the birthday wishes, by the way. I was born on this day many years ago in Detroit, Michigan, and, and now here I am in Gastonia, North Carolina. It's good to be with you guys on my birthday. Verse 4, Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, my wife and I have uh, five children. We actually have, she was the one singing right here. Uh, we have five adopted children. I have a picture of the first time we ever saw our children, uh, kind of a before and after. We have uh, four, four kids from Ukraine. We have uh, one son from Ethiopia. So this is uh, James, Angela, Jana, Victoria, and Iyasu, now Joshua. You can probably tell which ones are from Ukraine and which ones from Ethiopia, I would think. 
so I don't need to explain that. Uh, now they're all teenagers, ranging age 14 to 19. Here's what they look like today. It is quite remarkable to uh, look. It's really hard to discipline your son when he's bigger than you. Uh, it's a, quite a challenge to look up to him and try to discipline him. Now, when, when, people, uh, when you tell people that you've adopted five kids, the, the obvious question is, why? Like, do you have some problem? Do you have a complex? Do you have a bald guy complex? Do you have a short guy complex? Do you have a savior complex? Do you want to be on Oprah? Uh, I, I've had parents say, hey, do you want my kids? You like kids so much, you can have mine too. Uh, I've had kids come up after youth camp sermons and say, will you adopt me? And I really appreciate that, but we're, we're full. Uh, we, we can't take any more right now. Um, but we adopted our Ukrainian kids about 10 years ago, <clears throat> and we adopted Joshua about nine years ago. And this is the answer that we always give them. We were motivated to adopt, not because of biology, which is the reason many get into adoption, which is a fine reason, you know, infertility. Not biology, but theology. And here's a principle I really want you to get, students, and you can get this, okay? And I'm treating you like young adults this weekend. I know there's a great risk in that, but if you can order from Starbucks, you can hang with me, all right? Uh, If you can do chemistry, you can read the Bible, okay? You just need to realize that. But here's the principle I want you to get. Your theology, that is, big word means what you believe about God, what you believe about the gospel. Your theology determines your biography. What you believe inevitably shapes how you live. Theology leads to biography, okay? You tracking with me. So what you believe is gonna determine what you do with your life more than where you go to college, what you major in, or really anything else in life, because you live out what you believe. So what happened in terms of adoption, uh, I was invited to to do a youth camp several years ago at a place called Ridgecrest, perhaps you've heard of that, and they said, Tony, we want you to do a Bible study on the poor. So every morning I was opening the Bible and I was talking about the poor, and I began to see that God had this consistent concern in the Old Testament for the the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. And he set up laws so that people would take care of these uh, vulnerable people. And in the New Testament, James says in James 1.27 that true religion involves caring for orphans and widows in their affliction. And then I get into passages like this in Galatians 4 where Paul says that we've been adopted by God. That is, there are no natural born children in the family of God. If you're a Christian, you're here by adoption. We've been adopted. Our God is an adoptive father. And I knew these things in my head. But over the course of my study, this really began to to impress, the the truth began to impress itself upon my heart in in a serious way. And as I was teaching students and adults, and I was telling them, hey, we gotta care for orphans, I got convicted by my own preaching, which is a very miserable place to be, okay, to to be talking to people about doing something that you yourself are not doing. Because I could not name an orphan. I I knew a lot of bands, I knew speakers, I knew authors. I didn't know any orphans. And I began to really think about adoption. I was living in New Orleans at the time. My wife and I had been married about four or five years. And I went to Kimberly after this whole week of camp and I said, baby, I I want some kids. And she said, well, how do you wanna get them? And I said, "Uh, how about we consider adoption? And she eventually said yes, and then she said, well, where do you want to get these kids from? 
Now, I played baseball in high school and college, and naturally, I said the Dominican Republic is where I would like to get uh, kids from. Because uh, if, if you don't know, they have shortstops in the DR. Uh, they like grow them like plantains. And I was just imagining little Miguel and, and Robinson Cano and Big Poppy, and we're just gonna dominate Little League. I was like, we need nine Dominicans, okay? Um, and and she, she was reluctant uh, on that one. And she, she said, um, I, I deferred to her, which is always a good practice for the husband. Um, what do you want to do, baby? And she said she wanted two little girls from Eastern Europe. And so we applied to get two little girls from Eastern Europe. It was a Friday. We'd been in this adoption process for 18 months. Got a phone call that said, you need to be in Ukraine on Monday. So we booked tickets. We got on an airplane. We had an hour to look through available uh, children. And I thought we'd have a lot of options, but for whatever reason, we didn't. And um, we got very discouraged, thought we were going to have to go back through the process all over again. When a lady came in and she said, would you consider uh, three kids? And uh, I said, uh, sure, why not? Uh, one of them, though, was like 16 and one was six months old. And we'd been married six years. And I was like, I don't know. Um, and then a lady, I don't even think she was serious. She said, would you consider four kids? And I said, well, actually, Kimberly loves to tell the story because I didn't even look at Kimberly. I just said, yes. And she, she lays down the, the, the pictures of these biological siblings, ages four, six, seven, and nine. And um, she said, would you like to go meet them? And again, I didn't really look at Kimberly. I said, yes. Um, and Kimberly realizes in this moment that this is really not about us becoming parents. This is about a story that, that God is writing. His ways are higher than our ways. We drove nine hours south to this little town, this little village, and here come these four kids in this Russian orphanage director's office holding hands. They thought they were in trouble. And they, would, they had the same clothes on that they would wear for the next 40 days. We were in the country for 40 days. And they come in holding hands and this, this orphanage director says, this couple has come from America to adopt you. If you go with them, you will get a bedroom. You will get a bicycle. You will get this. She kept on going through this list. I'm like, please stop, please stop. And then, and then she says, but if you stay here, you'll get nothing. And then she goes, but it's your decision. Do you want to be adopted? And she goes, one by one, do you want to be adopted? Do you want to be adopted? All through a translator. And they all said they wanted to be adopted. After we changed all of our paperwork, <clears throat> we got to finally take the kids home, and they didn't own anything. They had to leave everything behind. Clothes, socks, underwear. An orphan owned nothing. We had to go outfit them. I got the little girls, and I said to so little Victoria, I said, uh, Vika, we're going home. And she says, forever? I said, yeah, we're going home forever. And she went and changed, put on her little dress, little backpack. <laughs> and here we went, four, of, four kids, they spoke no English, about to get on a train for 10 hours. <laughs> they'd never had Coca-Cola. They'd never had pizza. They'd never seen a movable walkway. Victoria was a Tasmanian devil. Uh, I almost lost my religion on the way home. 27 hours later, we finally got to come home. And after about a year, we said, you know what? We got room for one more. And my sister has five adopted children from Ethiopia. Similar story, crazy enough. She went to get two, found out one had three other siblings, ended up getting those three. Now she has five as well. In a period of like three years, we went from one, one kid between us to 11. And James had been playing with his Ethiopian cousins, and he was still learning English. And, and still is. And he said, uh, me want a sunscreen, brother. Me want a sunscreen, brother. And I said, you mean a suntan, brother? He said, yeah, me want a suntan, brother. And I said, okay. And so we pursued Ethiopia, and we found Joshua, who 
whose biological parents died when he was one, and he had no, no siblings. He had an uncle that put him in an orphanage. And uh, in six months' time, he was at our dinner table. And so here we are, through a lot of blood, sweat, tears, prayer, trials. Nothing has taught me more about the gospel outside of the Bible than this experience. And it's taught me so much about how to think about being adopted by God and what a great father we have. It's one thing for a human being to adopt someone, to leave a country, to go to another country or a city, to go to another city. But Jesus left heaven for earth to bring us into this family so that we could belong to this family. And what I'd like to tease out for you tonight, students, are some similarities between our adoption of kids and God's adoption of us. All right, and we're just gonna work phrase by phrase through this passage, okay? The first one is right there in verse four. Adoption is planned. It's planned. It says in verse four, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, okay? Now, if you set out to adopt kids one day, perhaps some of you will, I hope you do, you need a plan. You don't just, you know, hey, where do you wanna eat today? Chick-fil-A, what else you wanna do? Let's adopt some kids. You know, you, you have to think about this. You, you get a plan, we thought about names, we thought about finances. I had to trade my Jeep for a minivan. Awful day, just absolutely horrible day. Um, and and you, you, you have to think about these things. <clears throat> now notice here in Galatians four, verse four, it says in the fullness of time, this is God's plan, God sent forth his son. Meaning, at just the right time, God sent Jesus on this rescue mission. Okay, now there are three passages in the New Testament that use this word adoption. You may look them up later. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, EPH 1, Romans 8, okay, and right here in Galatians 4. Now the concept is taught throughout the Bible, but the word itself, adoption, compound word in Greek, huophesia, means to place a son, to take a son from one place, put him in another home. That was a concept very familiar to Romans. That's, that's the background of of much of the New Testament, the Greco-Roman world, and Roman emperors adopted orphans. So you've heard of Caesar. He adopted Octavian, who you read about in Luke chapter two, verse one. So Paul draws on all these images that was in the culture to explain this. You can imagine being a little Roman street kid being adopted by Caesar, right? And him saying, hey man, all of Rome is now yours. Paul says that's nothing. You have been adopted by the only sovereign. You have a royal adoption. And it is according to God's sovereign timetable. In Ephesians 1, in one of those passages, it says, in love he planned to adopt us. He purposed to adopt us. For many people, humanly speaking, adoption is like a plan B, right? But when it comes to God and you, adoption was not plan B for God. Adoption was always plan A for God. Before there was a creation, he purposed to adopt a family for himself. And if you're in that family, you are part of this great plan, this great redemptive plan of God. You should feel incredibly loved tonight. You should feel loved tonight. You weren't a plan B. He came after you, right? Now, the second thing I want you to notice here is that adoption requires the right qualifications. It requires the right qualifications. Again, humanly speaking, if you, if you set out to adopt kids, they're going to ask you a lot of questions, like social workers would come to your house, 
And I remember them telling me, now you can't lie when I ask you these questions. And I was like, well, I try not to lie ordinarily, anyway. And they're like, but you really, really need to tell the truth here. So <clears throat> have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? Have you ever done this? Now, I told you I became a Christian later when I was in college, so I did some stuff that I regret. And so I had to answer yes to all these things. Uh, once, uh, twice. Now, my, my wife is practically sinless, okay? Over here on the, like her interview took like two minutes. I think she peed on her sister one time when she was like six. But other than that, it's like Jesus, you know, Mary and Kimberly uh, in, in, the, in the order. Uh, <laughs> and so when you look like me, like Chris Daughtry or, or Vin Diesel, you're, you're like, wait a minute, you're adopting kids? Uh, you're a pastor? Like, what kind of church are you at? Um, they're, they're suspicious and they're, they're trying to do their job. They wanna make sure you know, cousin Eddie stays away from kids and uncle Rico stays away from kids. They're, they're doing their job by screening individuals. Not everybody needs to adopt kids. Okay. They need to, they need a round room and live by themselves somewhere. But when it comes to your adoption, you notice here in the text that there is only one who was qualified in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son and this son was born of woman. Now, get those two phrases. God sent forth the Son, which implies that Jesus was preexistent. He he was not created. Contrary to what a lot of cults teach, there was never a time in which Jesus did not exist. God sent the preexistent Son, which implies Jesus' deity. And yet, this Son was born of woman which implies Jesus's humanity. And this is what makes Jesus Christ so unique. Jesus, you see, students, is in a category by himself. He's the one and only God-man, fully divine, fully human in one person. And that's who the Father sent to adopt you. He was the only one qualified to bring humans to God. God sent forth the Son, Born of woman. Now you say, that's really deep stuff, man, on a Friday night. Can you imagine living in the first century? Like how Jesus would have to answer questions. Like a basic question. Hey, pal, how old are you? Hey, what, what do you say if you're Jesus? You're like, well, <clears throat> you know, on my mother's side, I'm 12. <laughs> but on my father's side, I'm eternal. And they're like, huh, never heard that before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, on my mother's side, I get hungry. On my, on my father's side, I fed a multitude with a catfish po' boy. <laughs> right? On my mother's side, I get tired. I went to sleep on the boat. Praise God, Jesus took naps. It's in the Bible. Be like Jesus. But on my father's side, I commanded the waves to be still. On my mother's side, I saw my friend Lazarus die and I wept. On my father's side, I raised him from the dead. On my mother's side, I was nailed to the cross in agony. And on my father's side, three days later, I vacated a tomb in the Middle East and stepped out into the sunlight as the victorious and vindicated son of God. There will never be another Jesus Christ. He is in a category by himself. And when it comes to your adoption, God sent heaven's best for you. Only one qualified. And you see, it's very important, 
Why we believe Jesus is the only way to heaven, it's not because we want to come across as arrogant. It's because we believe Jesus Christ to be unique. He's unlike anyone else. He is the only one capable of bringing you to God. The one who came from heaven is the only one who knows what it's like and how to get people there. So Jesus is not just another religious guru or religious rabbi. He is the unique son of God. And the father sent the son, the only one qualified, to bring us into this family. Now, notice what Jesus did. Thirdly, adoption is costly. It's costly. When it it comes to human adoption, a lot of people are... um, turned away from adoption because it costs a lot of money, and that that is true, but it costs you more than money. It costs you your life, reorienting your whole life, many other challenges. But when it comes to your adoption, notice what it costs Jesus. It says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of woman, and catch these two phrases, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Two phrases, the first phrase refers to his life. He's born under the law. That is, Jesus kept the law. You and I can't keep the law. The law crushes us. But Jesus obeyed for us. You see, he not only died for us, he he obeyed for us as well. He was born under the law. Every day he kept the law, and then he redeemed those who violated that law. So this is the way we like to say it. It's very important and a good summary, I think, of the gospel, that Jesus lived the life we could never live and he died the death we should have died. It's right here in Galatians 4. Born under the law, he lived the life we could not live, redeeming those who were under the law, dying the death we should have died. To redeem means to purchase, and that's what Jesus did. He purchased us. So if you're not a Christian, here's the message tonight, you can be adopted. It's free, but it's not cheap. It cost Jesus his life and his death to bring us into this family. Adoption is costly. Number four, adoption rescues children from terrible situations. If you know anything about orphans, you know some of the coldest, darkest places in the world are orphanages. Even if kids haven't experienced some of the worst traumas, you know, compared to other orphans, it's still awful to not have a mom, to not have a dad. Nobody's saying happy birthday to you. And, and some of you perhaps in this room, you, you're, you're like functionally fatherless, right? Like you, maybe you've had a terrible experience with mother or father. You need to see from this text what a perfect father we have in heaven. And even good fathers pale in comparison to this father, right? And when you go into an orphanage, like we visited a a Ukrainian baby house one time while we were in country, 22 babies in a room and the babies weren't making a sound. And it was the most eerie place. I was like, why aren't these babies crying? And they said, because no one responds. And when people stop responding, there's no parental response. They just kind of lay there in almost this catatonic state. And it was so heart-wrenching. And you go visit these, these little, you know, middle schoolers and teenagers who are in orphanages, and you, you, you see the fear, you see the anxiety, you see the hurt, you see the brokenness. And when they say, hey, do you want to adopt four kids? I, I didn't feel like a hero. I felt like, oh, sure, I can take four. What, what, what about these other 120? 
You see, adoption is about rescuing a child from a terrible situation. And in the gospel, you and I were in a worse condition. It's hard to imagine it. But Paul says we were dead in sin. We were alienated from the Father. We were without hope in the world. But God has rescued us from slavery, he's rescued us from the orphanage, and he's put us in his family. He's taken us out and put us in. And that's good news. Number five, notice here in the text that adoption involves an identity change. Notice how the text says <clears throat> that you are no longer son or slaves, but a son. Now, here in a moment, I'll get to why Paul doesn't say son and daughter, because that is technically true that you're a son and daughter of God, if you're a female. But I'll get to that in a moment. But I want you to notice here first this just identity change that takes place. And this is so important for you students. That this concept of being adopted by God would not just be something in your mind, but it would work itself into your life. <clears throat> your generation is looking for identity everywhere. And they're being told your identity is in what you desire, what you feel. Your identity is in how you perform or what you achieve. Who your family is or how much money you have. And none of that is the basis for your identity as a Christian. If you are a Christian, you already have your fundamental identity. You are a son and daughter of God. That's what you are. That's, that's the identity you live out of. You're no longer a slave. It's like you went to court like you do in an adoption process, and the judge has slammed the gavel, and it says, your name has changed, kid. Your identity has changed. Your language, everything about you has changed. And that's what happens. You get a status change, you get an identity change. Pastor Tim Keller tells this story that I think is really good for you, you students here. It's good for everybody, but especially you students. Keller is this famous pastor from New York City. He was counseling uh, a teenager named Debbie, and Debbie came to see Pastor Keller, and Debbie was very discouraged because she was not popular in school. The boys didn't like her, and she began to pour her heart out to her pastor, and Keller wisely told her about the gospel. He, he says, Debbie, do you know you've been justified, you've been redeemed, you've been saved, you have the Holy Spirit, you've been adopted by God, Debbie? And Debbie says, well, what good is that if I can't get a date? What good is all of that if I can't get a date? Now, I love her honesty. I wish everybody would talk to their pastor with such honesty. We would get somewhere, right? <laughs> but you know what she's saying. She's not doubting those things are, are true. It's that she can't take those things with her in the hallway at high school. She's got an identity floating around like a balloon, and that identity is not working itself into her life. You need to live every day on a baseball field, in the school, in the classroom, reminding yourself that you are a son or daughter of God. That's your identity. Now notice number six here, that adoption involves the spirit of sonship. The spirit of sonship, we'll call it. <clears throat> it's one thing for the judge to declare this is your identity. It's quite another thing for you to feel assurance of that new identity. And in Romans 8, Paul says that the Holy Spirit is confirming our adoption. Right? And so here Paul says God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit of Christ is in our hearts, confirming that we belong to God. Consequently, we now belong to one another. So what's, what's happening now as a result of that? God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now this is good news, students. 
that you can cry, Abba, Father, and unlike those babies in the baby house, your Father hears you when you cry. You see this prayer, Abba, Father, is what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he was fallen to the ground in his darkest moments, he prayed, Abba, Father. A term of intimacy and endearment, Abba, Father. You see, the good news about being adopted by God is you're his child on your good days and your bad days. My kids don't stop being my child on a bad day. They don't have, you know, more access to me only on their good days. And this is the good news about God's grace. You see, one of the marks that you belong to him isn't that you are skipping around the house singing Tomlin songs every day. It's that on your worst days, you can cry out and know he hears you. And sometimes all you can get out in your prayer because you're so hurt and broken is Abba. That's all you can even get out. And he meets you. You see, the spirit of God is in our hearts And what that has done is changed our relationship with God. He is now our father. But notice, and this is very important for our weekend, not only is he your father, but now you have new brothers and sisters. You see, when you get adopted, you get not only a new dad, you get new brothers and sisters. You now belong to this family. And I'll talk more about that in the morning. But when you belong to God, you belong to this this family, which is a really amazing reality. All right, let me move quickly. Number seven, adoption transforms the child in every way. Adoption transforms the child in every way. I also draw this from this idea that the Spirit of God is now in our hearts. And if you're looking at a Bible, you just glance over to chapter five and you see the famous passage about the fruit of the Spirit. What happens when you get adopted is that now the Spirit of God is in your heart, and what's the Spirit doing? The Spirit is working in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All characteristics necessary for you to love one another, but even more importantly, all characteristics of Jesus himself. You see, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. The Holy Spirit is making us like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is conforming us to the likeness of Christ. So in human adoption, when you adopt someone into your family, it's not all over. The work just got started. The transformation has just begun. And when you get adopted into God's family, when you become a Christian, now the work really gets started. Your identity has changed, but his spirit is working in you. Oh, you still sin, but you hate your sin. You repent of your sin. You grow in your love, in your joy, in your peace, right? The Spirit of God transforms us. You have new appetites. You have new interests. That's one of the marks of a Christian is that you have new loves. You have new affections. You know, I mentioned my Ukrainians. When we first took them to get pizza, uh, they wanted uh, potatoes because that's what they knew in Ukraine was potatoes. Now, now it's pizza. The pizza is, is what they're getting at a pizza joint. My son Joshua, we brought him home. It was like the second day. And my wife uh, makes salads a lot. Uh, we normally have something and there's a salad. Almost a salad literally every day. Not mad about it, just a, a point of fact. And <laughs> Joshua here, and we also have a rule at our house that I grew up with was you have to eat whatever's on the table, right? So now that's a little hard with internationally adopted kids who have different patterns and customs and 
appetite, right? But anyway, it's worked so far with the Ukrainians, kind of, and now we're hoping it'll work with him. So second day on the job, here he is. Kimberly has her little meal, little spinach salad. Now what you do if you don't want to eat something on the plate ordinarily is you just sort of eat around it. Some of you do that with your vegetables. And so, but Joshua was so outraged that spinach was on his plate. He left the house. He left the table and is going, he's leaving. I'm like, you can't run away over spinach. And so I go get him and I set him down. And by this time, you're just kind of playing charades because he can't speak English. I'm like, eat, eat, eat. And he keeps going, <laughs> And he gets up and leaves again. This happens two or three times. And I'm just hovering over like, you have to eat the spinach. And this whole time, this whole thing was going on, I was thinking to myself, when I was young, my mom used to say to me, Tony, you need to eat your green vegetables. And I would always say to my mom, why mom? And she would always say, because they're starving kids in Africa. And I was just like, I've got one right here, okay? I've got my own case study right here, and apparently they won't eat it either. There, there is no starving kid in Africa that won't see spinach. And this, this whole, my whole life, my mom has used terrible logic and guilt to, to get me to eat green vegetables. But I had to coach Joshua, okay? I'm like, Joshua, if you want to hit a curveball like Miguel Cabrera, you've got to eat your green vegetables, okay? If you want to block shots like Anthony Davis, you've got to eat your green vegetables. And so now, even Joshua is eating his salad. Oh, he's happy when it's not on the menu, but when it's there, he's eating it. Why? Because when you get adopted, it transforms you in every way. You get a new language, you get new appetites, you get new affections. You want to be in a church building on a Friday night. How on earth does that happen? Because God is doing something in your life. And the good news tonight is he is your father even on your bad days. He is patient with you. And praise God, he doesn't kick you out of the house when you blow it. But he loves you with an everlasting love. And he's shaping you, he's transforming you, he's disciplining you. Well, the last point is this. Adoption gives the child and the children an inheritance. He says, you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. You have an inheritance. What does that mean? Well, what it means is the best is still yet to come, which is quite remarkable when you think about what's already happened, what he's already given us, but it says you, you're an heir. Now, here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, the meek will inherit the earth. We will reign with him. You know what we really get to inherit, though? is God himself. The psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? You say, what do I get if I get adopted? Here's what you get. You get God. You get God for you, not against you, with you. You inherit a new heaven and a new earth with no sin and no shame and no brokenness and no cancer and no betrayal and no abandonment where Jesus Christ will wipe away the tears from our face and we will praise him with lungs that will never fail us. That's where we're going. You see, history students is not cyclical. It's not a treadmill. It's going somewhere. And it's going to Jesus Christ the King of glory, 
who has lived the life we could not live and died the death we should have died. Why? To bring us to the Father, to bring us into this family. And if you belong to him, you belong to that family. And you belong to him forever. As my little daughter says, are we going home forever, Papa? Yes, forever. So two takeaways tonight. Number one, if you're not a Christian, my plea to you is that you would receive adoption. I mean, the gospel is so beautifully clear in this passage. Jesus comes to you like that orphanage director and simply says, do you wanna be adopted? Do you wanna be adopted? It's free, it's not, che- it's not cheap. Jesus paid it all to bring us into the family. But this call goes out to the whole world. Do you wanna be adopted? Now, I can't think of a better place for you to be on earth than at this 180 weekend in relationship to that question. If you're not a Christian, you're in the right place. You're welcome. And maybe you have questions and maybe you wanna work through some of those questions with your group leader. Maybe you wanna talk to someone this week or maybe you're just ready tonight to say, yes, I wanna be part of this family. Yes, I wanna be adopted. I want to be able to call God Abba Father. Then again, I just wanna encourage you to talk to your leaders tonight. Come talk to me after this service. But that's point one, receive adoption. Now, number two, if you are a Christian, a couple of things we should take away. The first thing is, we're called to reflect God's love to this broken world. You see, it, it shouldn't end with us. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Those who have been adopted are those who know what it's like to be loved those who's, who, who, who know what it's like to be loved with this everlasting love should spill over with acts of love in this world. We should be known for that. But what adoption also means, and we're getting to it this weekend, is that you begin to care for one another like brothers and sisters. Because the gospel is not just about you and Jesus, though it is, but it's also about you and other believers belonging to his church, being part of his family. And this weekend, our great plea is that you would prioritize your church. You would love your church. You're not too young to love your church, to love your brothers and sisters. We're gonna talk about in the morning what it looks like for us to love one another as Christ has loved us. And so let's pray together. Let's all go to our Abba tonight. Let's ask him to work these things in our hearts. Father, we thank you tonight for your infinite, eternal, unending love. A love that has brought us to yourself. A love that has brought us into this family. Thank you for these students. I'm sure in this room many, many students have had terrible home lives. Even fatherless themselves. I pray that tonight that your word would encourage their souls that they have, a, they have a father like no other father. They have a love like no other love. And I pray they would rest in that. Father, I pray for my friends in this room who may not be Christians, that they would not hold back, that they would, they would flee the orphanage and come into the family. They would come and run into your arms knowing that you would receive them. They would realize that it's not based upon their works It's not based on their merit, it's based on your mercy. If any of us are Christians tonight, it's because of your mercy and your grace. 
I pray that they would hear the invitation and come. And Father, I pray that you would teach us as your children what it's like to, to love one another, to put your, your adopting love on display for this world. So would you work these truths into our hearts? We have many reasons indeed to sing your praise. And so we'll do that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.